You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Well, this morning we are finishing up um, our series dealing with the topic of how do we deal with offense. All right, and this has um, been, uh, hopefully it's, it's been an encouraging and challenging somewhat um, message uh, series for you guys. Um, but today we're going to talk about the process of reconciliation and what it takes, which is sometimes the most difficult part. And this, this whole idea is, is so important to us. Why? Because in our endeavor to grow, if we have any endeavor to grow closer to God, uh, if we don't get the relationships, th- these things, the, the, the relationships that go this way correct, then what happens is that it, it always will inhibit or stop our growth of hearing God and, and being able to grow closer to God. And so there is a value, and God's word tells us about this value of us, of us maintaining healthy relationships. And, and everybody here, nobody's immune to it, but everybody here has been offended at some point in some time. That you, you might have been through something somebody said or something somebody did or even a way that somebody looked at you or something that uh, somebody posted on a, a Facebook post of yours. I don't know. I mean, there's a million ways to be offended and nobody here is immune from offense. And so the key is this, is how do we deal with this? But I want to I wanna just start today and with just full admission and honesty to you guys is that since we have been talking about this, the Lord has been saying, Andy, you're not so hot at this, which I love that conversation with God. You know, I love it when he's like, you know, hey, you're, you need to work on this. And guys, listen, I am honestly preaching to myself because I have failed at some of these things even this week. All right. And so today we're going to learn. We're going to grow together. And um, it's just hopefully, again, going to be very encouraging. In Romans 12, 17 and 18, as we talk about resolving conflict. This is what the Word of God says. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. But why not? It's so fun, God. (laughs) Just one time, can we please? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Whoa. We think about that. Really, what is the Word telling us to do is this, is that it's not just telling us to live peacefully or be peaceful people, but in those times where we have been offended or, or something has happened to us, a wrong has occurred, in, it, in, that it, in the strength of our ability, the best of our ability, it's our job to try to bring resolution, resolving of the conflict. Now that requires the work of the Holy Spirit because that's something that's very difficult in our natural ability. So why are we going to talk about this idea of resolving conflict? And I just want to bring up a couple of things. Because if we can't resolve conflict in our life, then just simply put, our life is going to be a mess. Our life is going to be a mess. Again, none of us are immune to this idea of conflict, so we don't know how to work through it. Some tools that the Word of God gives us so that we can bring resolution. If it's possible, then our life will be a mess. Unresolved conflict will haunt you. It will haunt you. It's something that sticks around. There's no shelf life to unresolved conflict. Uh, Even though the memory might fade, the effects continue to live on in our life. Unresolved conflict can be like a snare that traps you. You might think that you've gotten past it, but then something triggers it, and all of a sudden you realize that there's a hurt, a wound there that hasn't been taken care of. 
And so we have to learn how to deal with this. But unresolved conflict also affects us spiritually. It affects us spiritually. It will absolutely hinder our relationship with God. How? Well, listen, friends, if we can't walk the principles of forgiveness out with the people in our life, the people that we do see, then it's going to be very difficult to understand and to live in the forgiveness and the grace that God gives us freely. If we can't see it for the relationships of our life, then it's going to be really difficult that we see it from God. And oftentimes in my life, I'm just going to talk about me, that when I have unresolved conflict with people in my life, is that I become very critical of myself. I become uh, somebody who judges myself, and I can't hear what God is saying in His grace and His mercy to me to try to heal me, to bring me past something. So unresolved conflict affects us spiritually. It hinders our prayer. We're going to read about this in just a second. That before we even come into the scripture tells us that before we even come into the house of God, to the, the place of fellowship with God, if there's something that is not dealt with, that first we must go to the person where there's an offense and deal with it. And what's God saying? And again, I know this isn't our favorite thing or necessarily the easiest thing to talk about, but oh, it's so important, is that the reality is that unresolved conflict can even hinder our prayer. It can hinder our prayer. Unresolved Conflict also hinders our happiness. Because, listen, when we're not walking in the freedom of wholeness to the best of our ability or the, the freedom of forgiveness to the best of our ability, then ultimately we're not free and we're not happy. We're not free and we're not happy. So, so how do we do this? This is the big question. If this is such an important topic, then how do we do this? And so today I'm going to look at, again, we're going to look at one story from a particular person in the Old Testament, Joseph and we're going to talk about some significant things that God did in his life. And then I'm going to give you just three quick takeaways that you can take home and begin to work on. And they're spiritual, but they're very profoundly practical as well. So reconciling and working through conflict effectively, the first thing that we have to understand in order to do this effectively is that this begins with our attitude. This begins with our attitude. And Joseph is the perfect example of this principle. That if you're going to deal with unresolved conflict, your attitude has to be in the right place. And here's what Joseph had to do was this. Is that he had to submit his attitude to God. Now friends, that's a lot easier said than done if we're, if we're truthful, if we're honest. We all know that probably. We all probably feel that as a truth. We'd agree upon that as a truth. But oftentimes we negotiate with God as to how offended we can be or, or to what extent that we try to need to try to make things right. But the reality is this, and again, this is why Joseph is such a prime example of this principle, is that in order for our attitude to be right when it comes to resolving conflict, it must be submitted to God. Now, here's what this looks like. Here's what this looks like. How did Joseph submit his attitude to God? There's two ways, I believe, two things that he did. And if you're taking notes, I want to encourage you to, to jot these down in your phone, in your, uh, the back of your neighbor's head. I don't care. Just, just wherever. Just, just do it. First is that Joseph understood that God is working to pull stuff out of me, to prepare me, and probably both. What did Joseph have to be offended about? What was Joseph's problem? Well, we know, I talked about it two weeks ago, Joseph had the worst childhood you could possibly, I don't know, but it was really bad. 
He's the youngest of a bunch of, of children. He was dad's favorite. Small recap on the story. Some of you know it. Some of you don't. He had dreams that God gave him. And his only, his only issue was is that he talked too much. And he told his brothers about a dream where they were bowing down to him. And then all of a sudden, that started a spiral of offense in his brothers' lives. And they're like, hey, we got a good idea. Let's just kill him. <laughs> like, hey, it's not like don't let him play with us anymore. We're not buying him a gift for his birthday. It just moved to we're going to straight kill him. And Joseph had an older brother named Reuben who said, no, we're not going to kill him. What we'll do instead is not that this is much better than killing him, but they said, what we'll do is we'll throw him into a pit, we'll sell him into slavery, we'll take his, the coat that dad gave him and we'll rip it up and say an animal got him and killed him. And then he'll be gone. He'll be sold off into slavery somewhere, somewhere. he won't be our problem. And then boom, but it's, it's just not as bad, fellas, as killing him, right? That won't be on our, on our, on our soul as much, but, but we'll just sell him into slavery. That's, that's a little better. And so the story goes, and of course we know, right, that's exactly what happened. And he got sold into slavery. And as the story of Joseph's life progressed, what took place is he goes to a guy named Potiphar's house where he's put in charge of everything. And then Potiphar's wife tries to do something improper with him. And Joseph says no. And so Potiphar's wife lies about him and says, he tried to come on to me. So Potiphar throws him into prison. And there he spends many years and then... There's two servants of Pharaoh who come in and they both have different dreams. And one particular, the cupbearer, has a dream. And Joseph says, in a few days, your position is going to be restored. And, oh, by the way, when you get in front of the Pharaoh, here's what I want you to do is to remember me. Just remember me. Can you throw out a little good word for me? And the very last verse of that chapter where that story is in the Bible, it says the cupbearer forgot about him. Fast forward two more years. And finally, he gets a seat in front of Pharaoh. And then, of course, we know the story is that he interprets Pharaoh's dreams and saves basically not just Egypt, but all of that region, all of that land from famine. And God reconciles his brothers back to him. And he gets this opportunity to stick it to his brothers. They don't even know who he is. And he could invoke all of the justice in his heart that he chose to, he could have imprisoned his brothers, killed his brothers. He could have done anything, but instead, the Bible says that he forgave his brothers. And to the place where the scripture tells us this, that as his brothers were weeping and crying, probably because they're like, oh no, plan backfailed. <laughs> we're, in deep, we're in deep trouble. Joseph says, don't, don't cry anymore. Don't, don't cry because it was God who did this so that I could save you. Come on. What did Joseph have in his life to be offended about? Well, there's your answer. So what had to happen in order for Joseph to submit his heart to God? Because, friends, listen, when you read the story of Joseph's life, it wasn't at the end when things got good that Joseph said, okay, God, I'm going I'm to let you deal with this conflict that I have with my brothers. No, the Bible says that favor followed him every place he went. And that means this. That Joseph started the process of submitting his attitude to God. And so the first thing that he had to do was understand that God was pulling stuff out of him. Hmm. There's some things in Joseph's life that God had to change to prepare him in order for him to be able to handle this. Because it's just simply not natural for somebody to be done such wrong and then to be into a place of authority where he brings so much healing. 
He had to let God prepare him and pull stuff out of him. The second thing that Joseph did in order to give his attitude to God to let him control that is remember that he is in control, that God is in control, that God is in control. And I'm going to tell you what, when it comes to submitting our attitude to uh, this idea of reconciliation and resolving conflict, the first thing that we have to do is understand that there's some things that you need to work on. You're not the angel. You're not perfect. Even when we have been done just wrong, there's some things that God is preparing us. He's teaching us about his grace. He's teaching us about forgiveness. He's, he's challenging us. He's transforming us. But also we have to understand this, that God is in control. That God is in control. A lot of times when we get into this position where we're trying to figure out what to deal with offense, what we're doing is we are just fighting with all of our soul strength to try to, to, try to make our will known and to try to rectify the pain in our own life. And we're fighting, we're tangled with it, and we realize that we're losing the battle. And the best way thing to do is to just throw your hands up and say, God, you're in control of my future. You're in control of everything. You've got me. There's nothing, nothing, nothing that anybody could say or do that is going to hinder the promises that you have set in my life to accomplish. And friends, I want to tell you something. That's a very hard but very powerful truth the Holy Spirit wants to help us with. But here's what I want to show you about Joseph's life to let us know. And this is such an amazing thing that we see here because when Joseph became the ruler in Egypt, second in command... He had two children, two sons. And I want to tell you about these sons. Maybe you didn't know this. The first one's name was Manassas. And here's what that name means, is that God has made me forget all my troubles. Think about that for a second. Think about all the troubles that Joseph had to forget. How could he forget? Listen. And this is a key to understanding how we begin to move through reconciliation is that this is part of it. As we relinquish control to God, He allows us to move past sustain in the pain of the offense. And this is what Joseph named his first son. God has made me forget all of my troubles. But his second son, he named Ephraim. And Ephraim means this, God has made me fruitful. God has made me fruitful. But I want to tell you something. This progression of his sons, this progression in his soul doesn't happen until first he submits his attitude and lets the work of forgiveness happen in his life. Because you can't be fruitful if you're still dwelling on the troubles and the offense of your life. You can't be fruitful in that position. And if we choose to see it, what Joseph's sons name and what, what their names meant for his own life was this. Is that in this process, God, as I learn to trust you, as I learn to, to submit to you and submit my attitude to you, so that I know that there are things that you were preparing for me that I could stand before my brothers one day and said, No, it wasn't you that did this. Actually, I see God's hand in it. And it's to save you, it's to save this kingdom, it's to save. The, the lineage that God promised, the nation that God promised, and our forefathers. To get to that place, 
You have to have a Manassas experience. You have to have a place where the Holy Spirit begins to touch your life, where God causes the pain of the offense to leave you. But in order for that to happen, you have to submit your attitude to Him. Why? Because it's always God's heart to bring out the Ephraim, to make you fruitful. So how do we do this? I want to just give you these three points really quick. The first thing, so when we're talking about how we reconcile conflict, and, and, and please, if you would, again, with the notes, take notes and pay attention. Is the first thing that we have to do is we have to take the initiative. When it comes to resolving conflict, we have to take the initiative. Why? Because conflict is never taken care of accidentally. The effects do not go away without effort. So why don't we take the initiative to resolve conflict? Well, to me, the answer is this. It's fear. It's fear. We don't like conflict. Does anybody here enjoy conflict? If you do, don't raise your hand. Nobody wants to be your friend. All right? I'm just kidding. Some people like conflict. I personally don't like conflict. I don't like conflict. And a lot of us, when we get in that position where we don't like conflict, we begin to be afraid when things like this happen, when there is a need to resolve conflict and we get fearful and we run from it. But another reason why we fear is because we don't understand how people are going to react. We don't know how people are going to react. And so as a result of fear, we ignore the big issues in our life. But the problem with ignoring this and the problem with fear when it comes to resolving conflict is that fear will make us distant, defensive, and demanding. And I want to tell you, listen, just, I want to just talk very vulnerably about, about this. Because there's a proper way to resolve conflict, a biblical way to resolve this. And there are times these markers of fear come up. In my life, there have been times, I'm, I'm not kidding you guys, I, re- I really wish I could just make you feel what I'm, what I'm saying right here, that I find myself, and maybe you could relate to this, where you're pulled back and you're distant, or you're defensive, or you're demanding, and if you can feel yourself doing this, there's probably a good indication that there may be some unresolved conflict somewhere, something that you're ignoring, a big picture thing that you're ignoring, a big problem issue. And what has to happen is that there has to be some initiative taken in your life. But the way you take initiative matters. Let me read to you a couple of scriptures. In Matthew 5, 23 to 24, this is what I referred to earlier. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and that's your gift of worship, that's a gift of your service, that's a gift of encouragement, that's a gift of your tithe, that's a gift when we come to the communion table, and there at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave the gift there in the front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. God puts... A big emphasis on this idea of unity. But if we really hear the language of this scripture, what God is telling us is that we have to take the initiative. We have to take the initiative. And so we have to understand how to do this in a healthy way, don't we? If we're going to take initiative, because if you just run up to somebody and you just start spouting off, I promise you walls will go up. Anybody do that? Again, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand to anything I ask you. 
right? Nobody wants to incriminate themselves. <laughs> I've done that. I've done that. I may have done that on the car ride to church today. I'm not sure. You can ask my wife. Listen, y'all, come on. Smile, and, and everybody look at me and be like, it's going to be all right, okay? Because here is what I'm going to tell you is this, is that when it comes to taking initiative, we understand we have to address these issues, but there is a right way to do it. If God gives a principle to say, look, take the initiative and deal with it, then we need to know how to do it. So the, what we got to do next is this, is that number two is that we have to confess our part. We have to confess our part. Confess your part. When you go and you take the initiative, you don't go and just run up to somebody and say, you did this, this, and this, this, and it really hacked me off. You hurt me. You did this. I don't like the way you responded to me. I don't like the way you looked at me. Whatever it is, you have to confess your part. So what does that mean? Again, here's some, here's some hard questions, but some things that we really need to think about because this principle is something that is very dear to God's heart. Ask yourself, am I being unrealistic? Am I being unrealistic? Am I being overly sensitive or insensitive or ungrateful? Am I being ungrateful, insensitive, or oversensitive? Oh, man. Come on. Somebody. Listen, I am... Mm. <laughs> I'm just... Look, I'm hold on. Andy, listen, sometimes you get oversensitive. <laughs> sometimes you get offended. Sometimes the little things bug you when people don't really mean anything by what they're doing. Sometimes you read into things that you should never read into because you're just feeling a little vulnerable. Sometimes you're, not, you're being insensitive. Sometimes some of the offense that's taking place is because, because you put off something where you don't care about anybody. Is there any underlying issue in my life? Because what happens is this, is once we get mad or upset or hurt, we lose sight of what we did and we only see ourselves as the victim. Once we're offended, once we're hurt, we don't see any issues in our own life. All we see is, is just the, the fact that we might be a victim. So what does this take? In order for us to see ourselves really the way we are, is that it takes humility. It takes humility. Matthew 5.25 says this. This is the message translation. I, I hope it comes up on the screen. If not, just listen. Or say you're on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. After all, if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even jail. Ooh, it's brutal. The New King James Version says this, agree with your adversary quickly. In order for that to happen, you have to take a little bit and have a, have a dose of humility. You have to let the Holy Spirit speak to you and listen to the Holy Spirit and, and hear what he's going to say to you and receive it. You need to take some, <laughs> I saw that and I'm not going to acknowledge it. <laughs> oh, that's what I did not want to have happen today. Spouses are nudging each other and such. 
So next week we're talking about healthy marriage, all right? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Spud, come up and close the service for me, buddy. All right. <laughs> I know, no. If you're, okay. It's over. So here's the thing is that we have to, we have to, uh, I'm going to write a book one day. Things I see from the pulpit. Oh, I'm naming names. Y'all are in trouble. Just know, I see you, all right? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Okay, humility is not something that comes naturally to us, is it? And so we have to invite the Holy Spirit to do the work. We really do. We have to invite him to do the work, and it just takes a moment of us steadying and stilling ourselves and listening to the Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you something else about this, is that you need somebody in your life. Now, if it's, if it's your spouse you're fighting with, then you can't go to your spouse but it needs to be somebody who loves the Lord and you trust who can speak into your life. Because you don't see yourself quite the way you think you do, right? You're not exactly what you think of yourself. Our perception is not what we think of ourselves. It's what, really what others think about us. Now, that can become a heavy taskmaster. And I'm not telling you to live up to other people's opinions. But what I am telling you is this, is that sometimes in order to get a proper view of what's going on, if you need to humble yourself, you, you might need some outside opinion. And you need somebody in your life who loves you and will speak the truth to you. And you have to create a habit and make yourself open. And part of humility is being able to do that, to ask people. Because if you're the only person you're listening to, I can almost promise you 100% of the time when you get offended, you're not seeing it properly. And so you need some outside input, healthy outside input. You've got to have that in your life. Somebody that you're listening to that loves you, that loves the Lord, that has wisdom. And that's not Oprah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Nothing wrong with Oprah, but she don't know you, okay? <laughs> All right. And that's, that's honestly, friends, can I, just be, can I just be very kind and very honest to you really quick to, and say that that's not Facebook either necessarily, okay? Um, because sometimes you can, you can go to popular opinion and get an assorted thing, and you'll find what you like and what you don't like. And if you're not careful what you're going to find out with like stuff like Facebook, if this is your moda operandi, is that you've X'd out all the people you don't agree with. And so it's only the people that agree with you that may not be speaking life into you that are giving you input. So, so be careful. I'm just telling you, be careful, okay? And so this is interpersonal relationship that you have to have, somebody that can speak into your life, that knows you, that loves you, but you also have to, have to listen to the Holy Spirit. So this is what I do. When it comes to this, is that maybe I'll ping this off of somebody I trust and I love and let them speak into my life. And if they say, yeah, man, you've been a little bit twisted. You got your drawers all twisted up, buddy. You need to straighten that out. Then I'm going to take that to the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say, God, listen, if, I am, if I've done this, I'm humbling myself. I'm going to listen to you. And the Holy Spirit will say, yep. Because here's the thing, is that somebody can help you acknowledge that in your life. But the Holy Spirit is the one that will heal you. Okay, so you bring that to the Lord and then the Lord helps you to rectify that. And then as you come humbly into this, you're able to confess your part and say, look, hey, I dropped the ball here. I did this. Maybe I was busy. I approached it, whatever it is. And you're able to take the initiative in a place where you're able to confess your part. This is what I did wrong. This is my my role in the in the issue. Number three. 
I said, I said three things, but I meant four. Number three, really quickly, is this. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. James 1.19, a great reminder of this truth. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When it comes to resolving conflict, you take the initiative and you confess your part. You need to listen carefully. And listening, listening carefully means this. Don't react. Don't react. Don't react. Don't react. When you take the time to listen, really listen. Listen for hurt. Listen for the problem. Listen for someone else's fears. Again, when you come to the place where you're really listening, you've got to put down your defensiveness. You've got to put down your defensiveness. You cannot listen if you're listening through the filter of defensiveness. Again, listen, I, I, I think I'm preaching this message just for me today, and that's okay, because I'm liking what I'm hearing. All right? Andy, you got to listen to this, and you got to hear that, that sometimes when you listen, you're not really listening. You're not really fully engaged. You're not hearing the words that somebody is saying. You're just looking for the, the moment when you can interject and make yourself look right. I said this a few weeks ago, and, and I think it resonated with some folks. It was a conversation that I had with the Lord in an elevator at the University of Houston as I was moving my daughter in, and she adequately did not prepare for the move, and we didn't have the things that we needed. And I got so mad and I, at, at the situation, not at anybody, but I got mad at the situation. I told my wife, I'm going to go to Walmart, and I'm going to buy all their carts because I didn't have any desire to hand move all of my daughter's stuff from one building to another building on the other side of campus in 100-degree weather. That was something I was looking forward to. And I was like, I'm just going to go get. And by the way, to, to prove that I was right. <laughs> Hallelujah. My wife, before we left the car, before we left town, and we were in the car, she's like, we don't need a cart. There'll be carts at UH. There always is. We're moving day. What she didn't tell me is that my daughter moved in a week late and all the carts were gone. <laughs> Woo! I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to go buy all the carts at Walmart and we're going to have a cart train and we're going to move them all across the street to the other apartment. It's going to happen. That's what we're going to do. And I get in the elevator, I'm hot, and she's like, you do what you want. <laughs> That means you better not do what you want. Code. And the Lord spoke to me in all that story for this. The Lord said, Andy, do you want to be right or do you want to be righteous? I said, oh. Man, I want to be both. Can I be both? Can I be righteous and right? And God said, not in this situation you can't. Because your attitude is, is bringing you to a place where you're trying to defend being right. And if you want to look at it that way, you can be right. You can be right, all right? But you're not acting like me. And so when we listen through the lens of our defensiveness, that's what we're looking for is we're looking for that moment to be right. Instead of bringing out the righteousness of God. So in order to listen carefully, we have to 
learn not to react, to begin to hear people's hurt, to listen for their problem, to listen to somebody else's fears, and to put down our defensiveness. And I want to say this, that there are some people in this church that are great at this. They're great at this. I've got um, uh, my sister-in-law, Penny. She's great at this. She's somebody that, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't typically highlight that. I'm, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry, Penny. But some of you have a gift of this. And, and you, need a, you need to, we need to hear this, guys. We need to hear this. We need to learn how to listen properly and hear people properly and listen for hurt, listen for problems, listen for fears to remove defensiveness. All right, number four, and this is it. This is a big one, okay? Focus on reconciliation, not resolution. All right, here we go. Remember that when it comes to resolving conflict, okay, in dealing with conflict, you're not trying to fix the person. You're trying to fix the problem. Hmm. A lot of times when we come into this idea of dealing with this, what we try to do is this, is that we're setting out to fix the person. But that's not our job. That's not our job. What we're doing is that we're seeking to fix the problem. So what's the difference? Reconciliation deals with reestablishing the, re- the relationship or removing the conflict. Resolution means to resolve every issue. There may be a situation... When it comes to resolving a conflict where you're not able to fix everything. That does not mean that you cannot restore relationship. The key to all of this from God's heart is to restore relationship. There are things that maybe you will continue to disagree on. But if you can come to a place of maturity and understanding where you're truly listening... And you're taking, your, you're taking consideration of your part, your role to play. There may be things that you disagree with. Now, I don't think there's a bigger message that we can hear in the body of Christ today than that. I'm, I'm going to soapbox for just a half second. It's going to be longer than a half second. Politics should not divide us. Sorry. Certain issues that we we fight about should not divide us. There's going to be certain things that you will not be able to fix, but that does not mean that you cannot have relationship or you should not strive for relationship. All right. So what 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 do we need in order to have this? Can I, can I, let me bring this down to a personal level because I, I took a big platform issue. I want to boil this down to a personal level. There are things in, in, in Kim and I's relationship that we don't agree about. We don't agree about, and this is going to sound, this isn't going to sound strange to some of you, but I hope it helps some of you as well. There are certain things regarding our kids and the way that we discipline them that we don't agree with, that agree upon. My kids that are here, your mom wants to just spank you. I just want to nurture and love you, okay? 
<laughs> she ain't here. She can't defend herself. <laughs> Sorry. I'm being silly today. All right. But there are things that, listen, even in a marriage, you're not going to agree upon. But that should not separate you. You need to be able to hear. And here's why. It's because at different points and times in our children's life, we have moved in and out of our disciplining techniques in order to get the job done, to raise our kids the best way we know how to in light of who God has called them to be. And so we have shifted we have shifted from sometimes being heavy-handed to having open conversations. And, and that is the differencing of opinion between Kim and I in some regard. Kids, my kids, I'm just joking about your mom, okay? <clears throat> They're going to come back and be like, Dad talked about you today at church. All right. And so here's the thing is that in our life, we have to understand how to do this. And this requires wisdom. It is okay not to see eye to eye with somebody exactly. It is okay when you have a conflict, if you go to that person and you go with humility in the right place, confessing your part and taking the initiative to do it, if at the end of that conversation you get to and you say, well, we still disagree, it is okay for there to be restored relationship, to say, I don't hold anything against you anymore. I'm not holding you hostage anymore to any offense. I don't pit anything against you. I encourage you, I love you, I bless you. We do not have to agree on this. It requires wisdom. It requires wisdom. Because we are increasingly become a culture where if we don't agree, then the natural default is you become an enemy. And that's not okay. It's not okay because it's not biblical. So what has to happen is this, is that we need wisdom. We can disagree without being disagreeable. That is wisdom. We can walk in unity without uniformity. That's wisdom. That's wisdom. Matthew 5, 9 says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Too often we've misinterpreted that. Because there's a lot of peace lovers but there's not very many peacemakers. Peace lovers avoid conflict at all costs. Their idea of peace is to ignore conflict and problems, but a peacemaker will go out of their way to restore peace that was lost. A couple of questions I want to just ask you this morning as we hit a time of reflection and listening to the Holy Spirit and we make our space and altar for the Lord to speak to us about this message. I know that sometimes these messages, this series, has been a little, can be a little heavy because it pricks certain areas of our life. Oh, I wish, man, I wish. <laughs> hmm. Man, I had an interaction yesterday that I blew it. Oh, I blew it. I blew it on so many levels, it was silly. And I got offended, and I offended people. And isn't that funny? My mom used to tell me this, and it's not original to her. Many of you have heard this before, but it was profound when my mom said it to me when I was young. She said, Andy, hurt people will hurt people. 
And when you're offended, you leave a wake of offense. And man, that's what I did yesterday. And, it, and I, I blew it. I blew it. And I was sitting in my office preparing for this. <laughs> oh, come on, y'all. Just put yourself in my shoes for a second. Because I'm not perfect. Um, I am not. I'm so far from perfect. And uh, the Lord began to deal with my heart. I said, Andy, you're not, you're not the jerk that you acted like. You've got to repent. Maybe you felt justified in responding the way you did, but the way you responded was wrong. You have to repent. You have to repent. So the questions I want to ask you this morning are this. I want you to think about an area maybe where you've, maybe some of you are in this position today where you're dealing with some conflict. Is it easier to let the relationship dissolve? Is it easier to let the relationship dissolve? And if so, what's the fallout of that? Because it's always more rewarding to resolve the conflict than it is to let the relationship dissolve. Have you chosen to just move toward letting the relationship dissolve? If you are, then you're cutting yourself short. So this morning, ask yourself this. Who do you need to reconcile with? Who do you need to reconcile with? What conflict in your life do you need the Holy Spirit to help you resolve? Because in a second, we're just going to bring that to the Lord and, and say, God, I need your help. I need your help. I want to tell you just in, in deep grace and deep love that you're not able in your natural ability to fix the situation. But just like Joseph, it's time to give your attitude to the Lord. Say, God, I got to let you take over the controls of this. Because my response is anger. My response is frustration. My response is going to be measured out and hurt. I'm, I'm seeing through the lens of my defensiveness. I'm seeing through the lens of my pain. I can't listen. I can't hear. But God, I need your help. I need your help. We sang about him this morning being the way maker. And maybe today, for some of us, he needs to be the way maker in that area of beginning to help us to heal and resolve conflict. But it starts with us receiving from the Holy Spirit the grace to be able to give him control of our attitude. And then all I'm going to ask you today is this, is to take that person or that situation, that area, whatever it is. It may be specifically with somebody. It could be with a situation. Maybe it's going on at work. Wherever it is, school, whatever it is. And I want you just to present that to the Lord. And I want you just to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going I'm to rely on you and I'm going to give you the opportunity to bring healing to this. So I'm going to ask you, Holy Spirit, to help me to take the initiative as you speak to me. I'm going to ask you, Holy Spirit, to 
Help me to humble my heart so that I can see something that if there's anything that I've done wrong, and I'm going to take the initiative maybe to ping this off of somebody healthy. And that when the moment comes, I'm going to listen and I'm going to hear. I'm not going to be defensive, but I'm going to hear. I'm going to listen for hurts. I'm going to listen for pain. I'm going to listen for miscommunication. And then I'm going to seek to have reconciliation. To restore relationship. God, give me wisdom. And I promise you, friends, if we make that our prayer, we really, really, really lean into the the goodness and the grace of God, then He's going to help us. He's going to help us. Because again, as much as you want to grow this way, you can't grow this way if this way is messed up. And there's so much fruit and so much love and so much joy to be gained from relationships that sometimes we miss out on when we become and live in a place of offense. Let's pray. Father, this morning, and I, as we pray, I just want to invite you to make your seat, your place right in front of you, your altar before the Lord. And if you mean it, I want you to to just agree with me in prayer as we pray. Holy Spirit, we're asking you just to touch our hearts. Lord, there's folks here that I know who have been wounded, God. We've all been wounded. There's not one person here who has not tasted the, the, the pain of offense in their life. And so first and foremost, Holy Spirit, I'm asking you just to begin to heal our hearts. But Lord, we just make a confession out of our mouths, even if it's by faith. I mean, we don't feel this way, but we're just saying, God, we want to we believe this. But we're giving you control of our attitude. We're trusting you. We're trusting you. We're trusting you. We're trusting you with this situation. We're trusting you with this. We can't handle it. We can't navigate our emotions. We can't navigate the decisions and reactions of people. We can't figure it out. And so we're trusting you. So we give you our attitude. Now, God, would you just begin to move in our hearts and in this situation powerfully? Would you begin to humble us, to bring us into a place of understanding, to seek to to resolve, to restore relationship, that you would just pour out your wisdom in our life, that you would give us ears to hear what, Lord, what other people are saying, that we would be still enough, patient enough to listen. God, what we're really asking is you help us to love people the way that you love us. Would you help us? We need you. We need you. We need you. We need you. And so, Lord, I just make a declaration over every person who's walking through this, whether it's in their marriage or at a workplace or with a child or whatever it is, God, in their school with friends. Lord, wherever it is, that your healing is going to come, that you truly are the way maker. That, Holy Spirit, you're doing something powerful in our lives to restore us. And we receive that. God, I also pray, Lord, for those. Mm. Lord, I know today we talked about resolving conflicts between people. But, Lord, I know there's people here that are mad at you. Oh. Lord, would you just shower them with your love? Would you just remind them that even if they're hurt, even if they're angry at you, that you love them profoundly? Lord, whether it's about a situation or an experience that they had, Lord, would you just overwhelm them with your love because you love them, because you love them, because they're precious to you, because you love them, because your grace is abundant? Would you just overwhelm them with your goodness and your mercy? 
Would you just be who you are in their life, God, in a powerful way? Would you just remind them of who they are, how precious they are to you? Would you just remind them of the depth of your love? Would you, would you please, Father, and just heal them, I pray, God. Lord, we love you. This is such a reflection of your goodness and how you care for us and how you care for our souls. We love you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Would you stand to your feet, please? <laughs> oh. Hope that you received something from the Lord today. And if you need to take this to somebody, I want you just to write that down. Write that person's name down and say, Lord, I want to, again, trust you for this. Don't let it just fade out of your life when you walk out of this place. But if the Lord spoke to you about somebody, then you need to put some things, maybe tell somebody or you trust again to say, I need to restore this part of this relationship that's in my life. But don't let it slip away from you. Take advantage of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Let me just bless you. Father, I just declare the grace and the peace and the peace of God to surround every person. Father, let your goodness and your mercy overwhelm every person all the days of their life, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We love you so much. If you need prayer for anything, you can come on up. If not, we look forward to seeing you Wednesday and next Sunday. Have a great week.